BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, Greg Smith, your favorite Hale Varsity word writer. Greg, hello. How are you? I, I am very well. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me. I am so happy to be here and talking about uh, the topic that we have on deck for today because I was trying to find a way uh, to figure out how to talk at length about it. Yeah, this kind of got thrown together last minute. Uh, so thank you for uh, for being amenable <laughs> to that. But also, thank you to Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher <laughs> for giving us most likely like four months of, of content to talk about uh, in the middle of May when it's, you know, dog days of summer. There's not much going on, except we had two of the highest profile coaches in sports. Nick Saban's high profile, but two of the, certainly two of the highest profile coaches um, in college football basically just declare war on one another. Um, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, Wednesday night, Speaking at an event, let me just set the table. Speaking at an event with local business leaders Wednesday night. So read, wealthy, may or may not be donors, may or may not be boosters, guys that got money in Birmingham, Alabama. Nick Saban went in on Texas A&M mm-hmm. and said, um, we were second, quote, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. AM bought every player on their roster, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player, all right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. Oh, man. Nick Saban went on to also talk about um, Miami and how Miami is spending, in his words, $400,000 on basketball players and talked about uh, Travis Hunter going to Jackson State, flipping from Florida State, going to Jackson State to play with Deion Sanders, and how you can read about, Greg, in the newspapers, how Travis Hunter took a million dollars to go to Jackson State, a claim that prompted Travis Hunter to tweet, my mom still lives in a three-bedroom house. What are you talking about? A million dollars. And Deion Sanders said, I'm going to address this. Nick Saban pissed a bunch of people off Wednesday night. And Jimbo Fisher responded Thursday, and we'll talk about his comments in a second. But Greg, I just want to get like your reaction to what Nick Saban did because this is one of the most strategic um, characters in, in college football. He's one of the most calculating people in college football. Um, how do you interpret what he said? Man, uh, knowing all of that and believing all of what you just said to be true about him being very calculated and he always has a point. Uh, the first thing that I honestly thought was, 
what in the world is the point of this? Like, what? why are you doing this in, in such a public and pointed way? Like the, the way that he went about specifically naming not just a, a conference rival or a former assistant that beat him last year or anything like that, but to name and bring in other schools that you should not, you probably, he's not as familiar with their situations, right? Um, to see him do all of that was just kind of wild to me, but then it kind of hit me. It was the very first thing I believe you said was that he did that in front of um, business leaders in Birmingham, in which he also ended that diatribe about how Texas A&M bought their class by saying, we don't do this, but I don't know how much longer we're not going to be able to do it. And said that to business leaders, re, these are people that he's soliciting money from to help build up their NIL program because it is something that he's been, Nick Saban has been reluctant to kind of go all in on NIL and collectives as a means to get recruits situation, right? He had like, that's just a fact. He's been reluctant to do that. But I think part of the reason why he's been reluctant to do that is because he hasn't had to, he hasn't had to do that, right? So I think part of the reason why you've seen some teams go all in on it or very close to all in on it, Texas A&M, sorry to Jimbo Fisher, went all in on it. You've seen other schools, Texas, USC, Nebraska here have gone pretty far in on being able to use NIL as a recruiting tool. The reason those schools are doing it is because they have catch up to do or catch up to play with teams like Alabama who are used to having the number one recruiting class year after year after year. Right. And so I understand why Nick Saban on one hand is upset about this and is calling it out but it very much reads as Nick Saban is sour grapes and he's like the kid who got all of his fancy toys taken away and is mad that other people get to play with those toys too it's weird that that was my interpretation I sat and thought about okay why would Nick Saban do this now so a week ago he said that he would like to go back to a time in college football where there was more parody we talked about that we talked about that on my podcast of all people nick (laughs) saban said that i don't want to hear nick saban talk about parody i don't want the word parody coming out of nick saban's mouth first of all that's insulting for it to be coming from him when he's played in in seems like 20 straight national championships um i think it's like nine in 13 years or something like i've seen i've seen a couple people yeah it's ridiculous i've seen a couple people well, not a couple, a few. Like, like I, I, if you were like me and you subscribe to a bunch of different college football podcasts, you've probably listened to 16 different podcasts talking about this right now. Um, I have seen or heard a handful of uh, comments like comparing this to what he said in 2012. Um, they get run over by Kevin Sumlin, I think, at Texas A&M. Um, talking about spread offense, talking about no huddle, talking about that kind of offensive evolution where Nick Saban says, is this what we want college football to be? And sort of revisionist history of that comment. Most interpret that comment to be a warning shot where Nick Saban says, is this what you want? Because if this is what you want, we're going to be really good at this. We're going to be able to recruit uh, well enough to make ourselves better at this thing than you. So if this is what you want, just give us a couple of years and we're going to be better at it than you are. Um, and that has been interpreted as a warning shot. And I have I have listened to a handful of people who have said this is the same 
kind of thing. This is Nick Saban saying, if this is what we want college football to turn into, to become, this is Alabama. We're going to be able to do it better than you. Another interpretation that I have heard is that, like you said, Greg, he is speaking to a room full of wealthy people. And though he cannot explicitly say, hi, give us more money. <laughs> that is what, that, that was, that was the function that those kind of comments um, served. Other schools are doing this better than us. So if you would like to continue to enjoy the success that we have enjoyed, we are going to have to, we're going to have to start doing this. We're going to have to start playing this game as well. Um, as a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Can I offer you a different motivation for why he might have done this absolutely because i i have also now thought of one as you were talking so absolutely i hope it's not the same one i i don't know i don't i don't know i don't know but it would be so fun and this is this is just where my brain went immediately this sounds like grouchy grandpa whining <laughs> like this seems like possibly this was just they caught him on the right night at the right time in the right temperament. They gave him a mic and he just started whining because the, the most important line came first. We were second in recruiting last year. <laughs> That's they, for a coach that has also, like all coaches say, I don't pay attention to the rankings and yada, yada. Um, for him to go there first, that we were second. It's just wild. So Saban is one of the most competitive people in the sport. Yeah. It has what it's what has driven him to be one of the best coaches in the sport. And he doesn't like to lose. And I would imagine that somebody like that, it will burn them up inside if they lose at a game they think is unfair. And if, you know, it like you like you laid out, I mean, it it happened. Texas A&M was more prepared for this NIL market than Alabama was. And they were more yes. prepared to jump all in to the water than Alabama was. And Texas A&M signed for the 22 cycle, the greatest recruiting class in 247 sports history. In the history of those rankings, it was the best class. And for somebody like Nick Saban, who, like you said, has for a long time recruited very, very well and done things a certain way. Don't forget, he's 70 years old. So he probably doesn't want to like change his whole MO again and try to adapt to a new style of, of recruiting, a new style of play, a new anything. Um, he might be, I, I don't know, maybe he's in a situation where he's like, I want to win one or two more national titles and then call it a day. Um, 
This just, just seemed, a funny thing to say, but that one, uh, just, just give me one or two more. But okay. <laughs> this, like, this just seems like a, like grumpy grandpa. That's kind of what it seems like. He's just complaining. Like, and, and I, maybe it's calculated. Maybe he's saying, Hey, give us more money, but I don't think he would need to do that in that form, in that kind of way to tell, to tell, Booster or to communicate to boosters, hey, we need more money if we're going to play this game. There are other ways that he could have done that, much more effective ways that he could have done that that weren't going to lead to this kind of blowback because, oh, by the way, since this happened, he has been publicly reprimanded by the commissioner of the SEC. And uh, Texas A&M's athletic director went to Sports Illustrated and said that they have already gone to the league office and said that Nick Saban violated SEC bylaws. There are sportsmanship bylaws in place. And Texas A&M believes that Nick Saban violated those bylaws. So we'll see what happens from that. We'll see if the SEC is actually going to like slap Nick Saban on the wrist or, or give him any kind of punishment. But like this is you got two coaches complaining about cheating in a sport where everybody cheats and ha- everybody has cheated forever. It has always happened. You've got two coaches complaining about it happening and one coach saying he's doing it over there while probably still doing it in his backyard. And the coach that's getting the, that's getting accused of it is saying, oh, I didn't do anything wrong while doing things wrong. So <laughs> that piece of it is just hilarious. It's very melodramatic what we have going on right now. The more interesting piece of it is that we just and we haven't even talked about Jimbo Fisher's comments yet. I just, just realized we have not talked. We about just that. have two grown men whining and calling each other names. That that is what's happening, and it's just a, it's incredible. But I want to I want to go back to something real quick. Your your point of the motivation for Nick Saban here, and it was not the same point that I was going to make, which is I do agree with something that you started to go at. Is Nick Saban is seventy years old, man, and he might not want to like kind of reconfigure their whole operation. However, it is. <laughs> that they are going ahead and getting all of these players. And it is, I'm sure, a combination of, hey, you get to play for Nick Saban. Hey, you get to win a lot. You also are probably going to go to the NFL in three years if you're a really good player. And there are some, you know, nefarious, not so, you know, inside the rules things going on at Alabama. Like, I feel pretty comfortable saying that, right? And so all of that and the setup that Nick Saban has and enjoys right now and and that he doesn't want to have to, he may not want to have to change, I totally understand that. Like, what if if that is the motivation here? Is that he just doesn't want to pick all of that up and or alter it at all because the current system is really working for him? That would actually make sense as a motivation. He can never say that, right? Like, that's just something that he can't say. Um, But I I would I could see that being absolutely the case where he just doesn't want to change all of the setup that he has going on that's allowing him to reel in these number one classes and then win national championships. It's it's in part because he doesn't like what Texas A&M and others are doing. But it's also, I think, because he just doesn't want to have to do it. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Okay, so let's talk about I'm sorry, something happened off to the side. Um, let's talk about Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo <laughs> Fisher's piece of this. Scorcher. Um, he called a press conference, an impromptu press conference. I don't, actually, I don't know if it was impromptu. He called a 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. press conference to specifically address Nick Saban. Um, he called him a narcissist. He said it was despicable. He said what Nick Saban said was shameful. I don't know why I said despicable like that. I got Daffy Duck vibes coming out of that. Despicable. Um, <laughs> mockingly called him God. Like, I my God, my goodness, man. Um, as As I'm just sitting watching him in his press conference, there was a moment where oh, he, he opened the floor up to questions and he gets a question from a reporter and he answers it. And then the reporter comes back, tries to ask a follow-up and Jimbo Fisher like interrupts him like three or four times with just little like one or two word one-liners. And it reminded me of something that I do when I'm super angry. I will like... I will interrupt you with because I'm just I have a bunch of things running through my brain and I want to make sure that I get out every last word and I want to make sure that I like get the last word and I I have a hard time like explaining it appropriately but like I saw watching him mannerisms that I display when I am seething and he looked, man, he looked like he was seething, like so angry. Let me, um, let me read just part of this quote from Fisher. Quote, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous when he's not on top. The parody in college football he's been talking about Go talk to coaches who coached for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. So we have, this is not Scott Frost coming on here and saying that Nick Saban is cheating. This is somebody that worked with Nick Saban, has worked with Nick Saban, has had a relationship with Nick Saban at multiple different places, mm -hmm. has worked with people who worked with Nick Saban, that is very he didn't he didn't come out and explicitly say Nick Saban cheats very overtly, but multiple times said you can talk to people who have worked with him and they will tell you that he's not running, you know, super squeaky clean ship over there. <laughs> so in that way, Fisher like. I, he declared war. Like there's, it seems like it's one of those situations where like, if, if you're in a group of people and you're all doing something wrong, there's like an unspoken thing that no one is going to say something about it. Yes. Because then everyone's going to start turning on everyone and everyone's going to start revealing like what's going on. Like if you are breaking the rules, but you know, they're breaking the rules, you're not going to talk about it, about them doing it. Because in turn, they're just going to talk about you doing it. And it seems like that's been the way that things have, have 
um, been in coaching circles, especially throughout college football for forever. And Jimbo Fisher woke up Thursday morning and said, nah, you know what? Nah, we're done with that. And just lit a match and dropped it. Right. Yes. 100%. And it, it's, man, it, it's so the, the layer of this of Jimbo Fisher having worked with and for Nick Saban um, at multiple locations, therefore knowing so many of the same like assistants and strength coaches and support staff and all of that. Like once you work on someone's staff, especially when that they you guys were really successful together, you start taking and borrowing people from that, right? And so there's all these connections between the two and coaching circles. And so yeah, he essentially said, I know where the bodies are buried, like, and now you're making me toe the line of actually saying something about it. Like, the only thing that could, if, if the only thing that made this, I guess, better or worse, depending on your point of view, is if Jimbo had started, like, citing specific recruitments in which things happen. Like, it was, it, he got that close to actually just flat out saying, these are the situations in which, in which Nick Saban has cheated. Um, and the thing, the one, the line that he had um, about, you know, some people never followed the rules anyway, when referencing the parody, or when he said that there's a reason why I'd never go back and work for him is because I don't want to be associated with Saban. Like, like, whoa, because even the times, if you notice throughout his, like, beautiful rant, he would say he would allude to Saban and not name him, but then he'd continue and talk and say either Saban or him, right? And so it was all these times where he like specifically called him out. Um, and it's it's funny though too because you wouldn't see so like neither one of these guys is mentioning um, say Tennessee allegedly paying you know multiple millions of dollars to get a quarterback recruit right like you also have to have or they would not be talking about say like Mike Leach in Mississippi State and whatever they're doing over there or any other of these schools because I think there has to also be a certain level of winning that is, is associated with this or potential for winning with some of these schools. I also just wonder, I would just love to have been a fly on the wall. What did Kirby Smart think about all of this? Is he like, hey, I don't want you pulling the curtain back on us. I was there too. I don't want you guys talking about me uh, because he worked with them too. Um, so I would just love to know what he thought as well, because you have not heard a lot about, at least I have not, about Georgia's NIL operation as it pertains to them trying to get recruits or anything about their program. I'm sure like everyone else in the SEC, they may be doing some stuff, but you just don't really hear about it a lot, even as they really rise to the top of recruiting rankings and the sport themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes this feel so personal. Yeah. Is because, like, <laughs> Tennessee's sitting there <laughs> pretty much in the, I guess, in the middle. No, they're not in the middle. Tennessee's sitting there. Like, there's, I don't know, rumor, speculation. I don't know if there's, like, tangible reports, but there are rumors that, like, the quarterback – that they have committed for the 23 class. Nico, I don't know how to say his name. I would butcher yeah. it. He's one of the Nico top. Nico I. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Nico I. Like, like, there's people on Twitter talking about how, like, he got $8 million to go to Tennessee. Like, Tennessee's there doing its thing. Just um, out here. <laughs> while Saban and Fisher are publicly beefing and the SEC is reprimanding its coaches and there's talk about, like, breaking sportsmanship bylaws and all of this was – prompted by coaches apparently paying players teams paying players that's what prompted all of this lincoln riley is over on the west coast adding the bolitnikoff winning wide receiver 
via the yeah. transfer portal. And there were reports weeks ago that that particular player was offered like $3 million in NIL packages to go to USC. So like for it to be just specific anger tied to rule breaking, it, it, it would have to be directed at everyone. Yeah. It needs to be conference wide, <laughs> but it's not, it's Mm-mm. specifically directed at Jimbo Fisher. And this is not the first time that Jimbo Fisher has been targeted Lane Kiffin joked that they that they were going to run up on the luxury tax. Like <laughs> he did say that. I totally forgot about. Other that. SEC coaches have said like like Jimbo's had to defend himself before. So why do you think that Texas A and M is the target of all of this? Maybe because Texas A&M, and, and I feel like in a lot of ways, Texas A&M has been waiting for a moment like this where they could just be a little bit more out there about what their ultimate plan is, which is we've got a lot of this oil money and we're going to try to use it to get our football team better, right? Like it's always been a program that's had a lot of money, but not as much tradition as they would like to have uh, when it comes to winning. And so I think that they've been waiting for this moment. And because of that, and them being very ready, it seems like the second that NIL dropped, that maybe that rubbed these other coaches the wrong way. That, yeah, even though we were all cheating, at least we were all kind of doing it in, in the ways that we had kind of set up basically right um like an honor amongst these type of situation and then you look up and oh man jimbo fisher and texas a&m are doing this totally outside the way that we've always done it even though technically it is within the current set of rules we still don't necessarily like that because otherwise it leads me to believe that there's just something about him that they don't like which but actually make the story funnier. But I don't know if, if that's actually the case, because otherwise I don't know why you would be out here singling him out. But it seems like a lot of different coaches are very willing to go there about Jimbo Fisher in a way that they just aren't about really anything else. Yeah, I guess like <laughs> we just not like Jimbo Fisher. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, I, Texas, Texas A&M is un, unlikable. Yeah, they always that that is part of it too. I wonder if this would be the same if he was at Florida, like just as a brand, like you know what I mean. Like I just I don't know. Texas A and M has always had that kind of unlikable streak, so I don't know. What would it be like if he was at Texas? <laughs> it would be just as bad. You think it would be worse? Probably. Because you'd have because the one thing that Texas gets um, when it comes to people making fun of them is that it comes from everywhere. Like it, like there's a, a whole wide like country that likes to like kind of dunk on Texas when things go bad. Just right, like it just like any number of things can happen to Texas, and everyone from all over the country will jump in and dunk on them. So I think it'd be worse if it was actually at Texas. But if it was actually at Texas, it wouldn't have worked, and they wouldn't have gotten number one class. See, there's me dunking on them too. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'd be very curious to see what comes of this from the NCAA perspective, because I feel like if I am working in any kind of capacity in the NCAA office, like I don't know, they have like a centralized headquarters or something like that. If I was an NCAA like a higher up person, somebody that that had any kind of either attachment to the enforcement wing or like knew somebody on the enforcement wing. Like I would be like, Hey, maybe we should call Jimbo Fisher. Like maybe we should just talk to him mm-hmm. because not, not one, not two, not three, like, like very many times <laughs> he said that 
Nick Saban is breaking rules, bending rules. He built his career off of bending the rules, and that was that was the um, that was the gist of what he was getting at. Mm-hmm. He obviously knows. So I would be like, "Hey, buddy, you wanna <laughs> you wanna talk to us?" And if that were indeed the case, if that if if the NCAA was to be like, "All right, well, we got to do something. Like, we got to do something." they would start to build back some respectability, some dignity throughout the rest of the country. (laughs) The rest, yeah, outside of the state. (laughs) If they looked at Alabama. Yeah. And Jimbo Fisher kind of teed it up for him to do that. The problem is I don't think anybody, and I'll speak for you, you and me included, I don't think anybody thinks that's going to happen, that they're going to look at, Nick Saban, that they're going to look at Alabama, that they're going to be like, hey, there's something here that we should investigate. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're more worried about, you know, punishing people for using a special teams analyst on a random practice when they're quote, not supposed to. Um, they're not interested in big stuff like this. And when that's the case, this is going to continue to happen. Like, yes. like we're going to continue to see this. I don't think that this is going to be something where it's just like Nick Saban. Like if Nick Saban is willing to go there, you can bet money other coaches. Once we get into the season and teams start losing and guys get in, in worse moods and yeah, hot seats are heating up. There are and... reasons to be annoyed. Yeah. Man, we might see some actual allegations. Yeah, we might. And I have, man, you're dead on though about the NCAA really doesn't seem to have, I don't know if it's the appetite to do it, the bodies and people to do it or what, to really go after stuff like this. Like the things that you would think on the surface are like, hey, we really need to make sure that the like reigning king of our sport is not out here rampantly cheating because one of his former assistants like basically said it multiple times in an interview on live TV, like they won't look at that, but let's say like an outgoing assistant snitches on a school, like we'll look at that and check into the, you know, a use of analyst or something small like that, especially comparatively speaking to what the allegations are against Alabama. Like, but I'm with you 100%. I can't see any situation in which the NCAA is going to actually go after this, nor do I see a situation where like the SEC tries to really go after him. I think the SEC is in Greg Sankey are more mad that this dirty laundry is getting aired in public. Like I definitely think that, but I don't think that it really has anything to do with the content of it because you've seen tweets. And this is one of the things that has been fascinating to watch unfold throughout the day, right? It is now open season for like, especially recently, like out of college players, and even, you know, beyond recently, guys that have finished their NFL careers, to now start talking about the things that happened when they were in college or were recruits. Um, And I think it was Sua Cravens, who went to USC, he was a five-star defensive back recruit coming out of high school not that long ago, talked about how every school that recruited him that was southeast of texas offered him money 
and that USC did not offer him money. Um, there's guys talking about, hey, you know, I see guys, you know, driving X car and I was only driving a Nissan Maxima, which, by the way, is nuts because a Nissan Maxima starts at thirty nine thousand dollars base package. So that's nice not car. It's a nice, nice car. car. So if that's the consolation car that you got, at your school, no, but it is not a Dodge Challenger, though. I'd never understood the fascination with Challengers. I personally would rather have a Maxima than a Challenger, but they maybe, you know, I'm not a 17 year old. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no. broke my brain. A Dodge Challenger, the fascination with the Dodge Challenger is that before Dodge came back with these new models, they were an iconic muscle car. That's the fascination is you just want to say you have a Dodge. Also, um, you're the perfect person to say this to. Sorry, this is completely random. (laughs) It's fine. I saw some, I think it was maybe like a TikTok video. Somebody said, you know what they do with Jordan sneakers? They retro old sneakers. Mm-hmm. Like we we get old versions. Of, like I, this year, we're getting a Chicago colorway of the Jordan One. We're okay. getting an OG Chicago colorway of the Jordan One. Everybody's gonna going crazy over it. It's going to be impossible to get. I'm gonna try to get yeah, one. Good it's luck, impossible people. to get. Um, and that's really like the way that they have pushed the sneaker market forward is they give you retros. Mm-hmm. What if instead of Ford giving us a stupid hatchback or an SUV with the Mustang logo on it, which which infuriates me to my core. What if car companies, specifically American muscle car companies, started retroing old cars? Like we got a we got with like updated tech. Okay. Like a 1969 Mustang body. You know how much money they would make? They would make a lot of money. It's actually it's funny because my first thought was like the what is it, the 64 Shelby Mustang? Um, 67. Yeah, the whichever one is the one that's in Gone in 60 Seconds. Eleanor. It's Eleanor. Eleanor. Yeah, that 67 one. Like Shelby 67. Like that one. If they retroed that, though, I wonder how much, like how much do you think that would go for? And would you and I be able to pool our money together to get one? I don't know that it would go for like, I don't know that it would be ridiculous the way like you can't, no one can attain, obtain a 67 an actual 67 yeah. Shelby GT 500. Like those things are unobtainable. I don't think that it would be like that crazy, but if they, if they retroed and produced them, like everyone would want one. Yeah. Specific. Like we, you couldn't do Pontiac. Like we couldn't do, like we couldn't get no, a trans name, which would, which <laughs> Eric sucks. Dickerson probably has one, but we could get, I mean, you could get like old, like Dodge charger, Dodge challenger. You could get a, a Ford. Like imagine Corvette gives you the old sixties body style. Okay. Like this is like, like, uh, money signs over the eyeballs, cha-ching, printing money. Like this is like a billion dollar idea, multi-billion dollar idea for some of these car companies. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. Sorry, that's we're completely we're completely off on a tangent. I don't. We have come up with a way to stimulate the economy. I like it. Um, (laughs) not to go all the way there. Um, the problem is you get like fifteen miles of the gallon, and gas is about to be over six dollars. Yeah. Before we continue, I want to take a second and thank the sponsor, FSC Edge. FSC Edge integrates AI technologies, case management tools, and augmented operators to optimally process patent documents quickly and accurately. FSC Edge supports some of the world's largest patent offices, including the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Hey, that seems like a pretty big deal. The team over at FSC Edge is always looking for new members to come on board. You won't be on the phone all day. You won't be customer-facing, which means no stuffy suits and ties. That's nice. 
you will be doing impactful work on a national scale and learning about patents. Folks who've worked with FSC Edge have all come away saying the same kinds of things. Affable, inviting, accepting, welcoming, easy to work with. Check out available jobs today by going to jobs at fsc.com. Yeah. What like, are we talking about? What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about the cars and how guys are very comfortable just like putting out there now what yes. happened when they were being recruited. Like, do you see the thing with Antonio Cromartie where I, I think it was Alabama that he was accusing, um, I guess I should say allegedly, even though he said it and was there, of paying him 60 or offering him. I don't think he said he took it, but he did um, $60,000 just to come on the visit to then help recruit to Alabama while they were on probation. He, of course, ended up going to Florida State and played multiple years in the league. But, like, there are all sorts of these players now coming out. Um, there was another guy that went to, I think, Travis Johnson, that went to Florida State and said that um, Alabama offered him money. Um, six before, figures. Yeah, six yep. figures That's before he went to Florida say. State. Um, and they were NIL before NIL. So I just, you got to be careful. This is a very much a be careful what you wish for situation. Because if you're Nick Saban, you really don't want people out here telling these stories about how you pay player X. Now, wait till the LSU um, stuff starts coming out because we've got these, like, decades of success of co in college football of Nick Saban. And so there are all sorts of potential storylines and people to come out of the woodwork and say, hey, he tried to pay me or did pay me, uh, um, you know, X amount of dollars. Like, at that part of it, the next round of this, I think is going to be that of guys coming out and saying, continuing to say uh, that they were paid a lot of money to go to different colleges. Because it has to reach a point, right, where if enough guys say the same thing, the NCAA has to do something, right? Like it can't, if we get like 50 guys all saying the same thing over the course of his entire coaching career, like the NCAA can't just ignore it. I don't think. Yeah, but the problem is, is that like, okay, so then are you going to, and I don't, not to like stick up for Saban now, but if you're going to do that for Saban, are, is that where it stops? Are you going to have to go after, I don't know, they're not even put a team on there, but like, are you going to have to pick a different SEC school and go after them? Are you going to have to then go look to see which Pac-12 schools and which Big Ten schools did stuff? Like that's, I think that is part of the problem for the NCAA is that I don't know that you'd be able to just simply go after Alabama and Nick Saban without then Nick Saban being like, well, hey, what about Auburn? Though they were, well, there might be a bad example because we know about them and Cam Newton. Like, I don't know. The other issue with this is they have opened up the market for athletes to be paid. Yeah. They, have, they have allowed student athletes to be paid. And part of, I, I think part of the hesitation with enforcement is they're fearing antitrust litigation. They're fearing some kind of lawsuit. Um, they, like... You know, you have a Supreme Court justice saying that the that their model is would be flatly illegal in any other business. <laughs> At the heart of this, you're talking about getting all bent out of shape and upset over players getting paid for their role in a money printing business. Yes. So to get bent out of shape over that, like like. It starts to, you know, you, you have to keep that in mind. <laughs> That's valid. <laughs> it's not uh, players getting paid for their role is not a bad thing on its own. And if there's cheating involved, like you've got to you've got to have some kind of 
um, I don't want to say punishment because too strong a word, but like, there's gotta be some kind of like repercussion for cheating. But once you open that door, like we've talked about and you just laid out, like you can go to 130 schools, right? Like it's not just going to be one team. Like if, if you open that door and if you do it to Alabama, you have to do it to everyone. You can't just stop at Alabama. And so like, you know, it's just one of those situations where I'm just so fascinated by this is like not something that we have seen. We haven't seen two coaches that have just like, you know what? They just hit the the effort button and just said, I don't care what happens. I'm going to speak my mind and I'm going to attack the other guy. And they attacked each other. And it's going to be so fascinating to see. Yeah, the fallout from this will will just be very, very fascinating because, like you said, you just don't ever see this. Like, you never see coaches attack each other in this way. And I believe it's in part because they all know that they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. It's the same way. Like, we've never seen, like, okay, and we still haven't, and I don't think we will. Like, when Scott Frost got popped for having the extra analyst or, you know, the coaches doing all that – Notice that you didn't have any other coaches coming out and saying, oh, man, I can't believe he did that, right? You're right. just never going to see that the same way that you, you had not previously to today seeing coaches talk about how other schools are recruiting. There's been all sorts of hints about it, and people will you know, throw the, especially the SEC under the bus and all of those anonymous coaching surveys that you see pop up, but you never see it in this way, which is going to add a layer of drama to this. Um, and again, I can't wait October 8th when we see these two teams play, because I think that Alabama is going to beat them by like 35, but we'll get to that. So if, if this were to happen in the big 10, who are the two coaches that would do it? I believe that I think my first reaction is Scott Frost and Kirk Ferentz. Or Scott Frost and Paul Crist. Scott Frost would do it to somebody. Or and Scott it has Frost to be Scott Frost. Yeah, it has Fleck. to be Scott Frost. It could totally be Scott Frost. Oh, it could be. Fleck. It could be Frost and Fleck. And we've seen them go at the funny thing is, is all three of those that we just named are people that Frost has had verbal dustups with um, over various things. We saw the um, the Paul Crist uh, caught on TV take that mf'er um, after scoring another touchdown against Nebraska. Like we saw, like uh, Kirk Ferentz do it. Like, that, that was amazing, like, like big, an amazing moment. Like big Teletubby guy going all NSFW. Yeah. Um, I said Kirk that with Ferentz, all due respect to Paul uh, Yeah, Chris. yeah. He, just, all, he, just, all respect, he looks like right? a lovable teddy bear. <laughs> we saw Kirk Ferentz um, do the what are we talking about here? It's football when, you know, the complaints about Clapgate happen. Um, it's PJ Fleck and Scott Frost talking about that's culture over talent type of thing and Frost shooting back. I think they've got some talent over there too. Like, <laughs> yes, it would absolutely be Frost in one of those three guys I just don't I think I think that Ference would provide the best foe in that situation because it's number one they've beaten Nebraska seven times in a row number two it really is two completely different ways that they've gone about building their programs and kind of using NIL especially as it relates to recruiting at this point so yeah I think that that would be a really fun one like in a way that I would see like NIL chants from Iowa fans after a game um, if Nebraska were to lose to Iowa again. Like I think that could be – that would be really good. I would love to see Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin go at each other. That could be good too. I could see, see – The like, problem is, is Franklin – Franklin doesn't seem to really go – at. Does, has he gone after other coaches? Like he's been – 
upset. He, I've seen him upset, but yeah, he'll he'll get like he can get upset in like press conferences, but it's usually just like then he just stops talking. Right. He right. just like shuts down. Um the high profile guy that you never see anything with is Ryan Day. Like I can't picture him ever being upset at a press. Like even the the press conferences leading up to Michigan Week, like it doesn't seem like it. And maybe this is a it's a you know we have the best team kind of a thing, and that's the vibe. Um, but it'd be fun if it was him and Harbaugh. Like that'd be great. I just think that Ryan Day is not ever going to do anything because, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. The, the the glass houses situation it, it, it behooves, it behooves him to not do anything. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, you know, that's that's what we could have said about Nick Saban, and that is true. Um, yeah, there I, there's something something happened there. Like I like what, did they have like one had a son and one had a daughter and it just like ended poorly like there's there's know. some kind of history some kind was of there a business deal gone bad something has happened they something were like, happened there they were they spoke so highly of each other at, at, or, or at least cordial for mm. for a long time and then all of a sudden it was just like we hate each other because he had the somebody asked him like if nick saban had tried to call him and he said yeah nick saban called i'm not taking it no we're done yeah and that's i was rough. like oh my god like this just there was a there was a personal kind of vibe, rough, rough times, rough times, but Hey, <laughs> made a Thursday in May, uh, super entertaining. And we will probably continue to have, uh, more come out about this and we'll continue to be entertaining. Yes. So we, we'll have, we'll have plenty to talk about. Uh, Greg, thank you for, for coming on the podcast and breaking this down with me. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. We will be back next week. In the meantime, keep reading HailVarsity.com. Go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and use the promo code VARSITY to make sure that you are getting all of the Praven content, getting the magazine, that you can read everything that Greg writes, everything that the wonderful team over at Hail Varsity writes. Also, subscribe to Greg's podcast, Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. You can find it wherever. Uh, leave him a five-star review. Leave this podcast a five-star review if you feel so inclined. And... Uh, yeah appreciate you guys thanks uh for listening to this every week thanks for coming to this youtube page if you're watching this on youtube shouts to cam for producing this and uh we'll talk to you guys next week a hood at media production